Welcome to AMDA in the States, your glimpse into post-acute and long-term care policy, advocacy, and practice at the state level. AMDA in the States is a presentation of AMDA, the Society for Post-Acute and Long-Term Care Medicine. Statements made by guests on the podcast are their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the position of the society. A speaker's appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them, their views, or any entity they represent. This podcast is eligible for ABPLM pre-approved certified medical director credits. Details will be provided at the end of this podcast. This podcast episode is sponsored by Avenir Pharmaceuticals. The content in this episode was not developed or endorsed by Avenir Pharmaceuticals. And now, here's our host of the podcast, Dr. Christian Bergman. Welcome to another series of the AMDA in the States podcast. I am your host, Christian Bergman, coming to you live from Richmond, Virginia. AMDA in the States is proud to be part of the AMDA On The Go podcast series. As chair of the newly formed AMDA State-Based Policy and Advocacy Subcommittee of the Public Policy Steering Committee, I'm excited to share examples of what various states and regional AMDA affiliates and members are doing to help shape policy and advocacy on behalf of our residents and staff. As always, resources relevant to this topic and discussions will be posted and available online and on our society main website. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by Dr. Daniel Hamowitz from Levittown, Pennsylvania, which is in the Northeast section of Philadelphia. Dr. Hamowitz will have to correct us if he can tell us where it is, but Dr. Hamowitz um, is a board certified internist and geriatrician, has been in private practice in Levittown, Pennsylvania since 1986. He's medical director of several area nursing homes and assisted living communities. He founded Bucks County Long-Term Care Consortium and served on the Bucks County Senior Task Force. He's also medical advisor for the Bucks County Area Agency on Aging and a nationally recognized expert in long-term care and a devote uh, advocate for older adults, having participated in the White House Conference of Aging in 2015. Dr. Hamowitz received the American Geriatric Society Physician of the Year Award in 2001 and the William Dodd Founders Award for Distinguished Service from the American Medical Directors Association in 2009. He has served AMDA in key roles over the years, including as a past member of the board and on the public policy committee. He continuously assists AMDA in key initiatives and is very active in advocacy and public policy at the local, state, and national level. Welcome, Dr. Hamowitz. Today, we'll be speaking about the why and how of advocacy. Let's jump right in. Dr. Hamowitz, how did you first get started in advocacy? What was the initial desire or drive to get involved in advocacy? Well, I've always been interested in you know, organizational medicine. When I was a resident, uh, I joined the AMA. This was before I had even heard of, of AMDA. But I guess I was kind of fortunate. I have a physician who turns out she's very involved in the AMA and had in, um, developed these meetings with some of our representatives, mostly our congressmen. So I was part of a, a physician advisory group for uh, congressmen. So I was, you know, started getting engaged in the advocacy part almost in the uh, beginning of my practice. 
Now, uh, I've always been on a lot of meetings. So I was uh, on the medical executive committee at my hospital and they needed a representative to the county medical society board. So I was on that for like a decade. And that's also something that gets you involved in advocacy and the, the hospital have meeting with the representatives. So it's all a matter of, you know, contacts. Um, being part of that, I'd always get invited to fundraisers. Now, part of the problem with fundraisers is that, especially these days, is if you get involved with it, you start getting emails from everybody. But, you know, you make connections. And I think that's what advocacy is about. Um, so I did that. You mentioned the, um, the long-term care consortium. Well, what I started doing was inviting my congressman to the meetings uh, like once a year for an update. So again, you're just um, developing, you know, your relationships, which is, which is nice in a way. So I was, you also mentioned I was on the AMDA board. So the AMDA, what the AMDA board used to do in person, you know, you'd have a, um, on the Hill Day where you would go to, uh, to Washington DC and meet with your representatives. So this was, you know, a few years ago, but of all the representatives, I was the only one who actually met with my elected representative. I met with my congressman and that's because I had a pre-established relationship with him. So it's sort of like, you know, one thing led to another. And, and, and I think especially with COVID, it opened my eyes some to um, the benefits of advocacy. So again, this is, you know, my experience. Dr. Hamowitz, you mentioned, uh, you know, organized medicine and, you know, uh, sounds like you got very involved early on. You know, do you think that you were always predestined to get involved in organized medicine? You know, what benefit did you see uh, for yourself in, you know, private practice getting involved with peers? Well, I don't know. I mean, don't you think that that geriatricians tend to be collaborative um, you know, a good, a good geriatrician is collaborative. So I think that kind of lends itself to working with organizations. Now, what I don't think I necessarily realized until the last several years is that I would be this involved with advocacy. So I don't know if it was, it was predestined, but, but I think when I give advice to like medical students or residents, I say, you know, look at what your strengths and skills are and, you know, what can you use? You know, what would make you happy? What would you be good at? And I think that, um, you know, I have certain skills that lend themselves to advocacy, but, but, but I'm, I kind of want to go twist that to, I think everybody should be involved with advocacy. So how can they look inside themselves and say, what skills do I have that could work in advocacy? Does that make sense? Yeah, thanks for sharing. I, I'm going to pivot to something else that you said. Uh, you mentioned that you got involved in organized medicine, you founded the Bucks County um, Advisory, and you invited your congressman for yearly update. Uh, can you expand on how that happened? Did you make a phone call? Was it a friend of a friend that connected you? How did you make that initial contact? Well, I made a phone call, oh, but that's a really good point, Dr. Berkman, which is that, you know, I think some people can be intimidated through advocacy. Um, but there's a lot of times where all you have to do is make a phone call, right? You just have to reach out to people because, um, you, you know, you're, you're still their constituent. And, and I think that it's sort of like developing the win-win. Um, and they want to talk, the elected representatives a lot of time want to talk to constituents. And I do think that physicians and healthcare uh, professionals have a certain cachet. So all you have to do is call up and introduce yourself. Now, you know, it, it, 
some of these relationships may be more successful than others, but it's not nearly as intimidating as you might think it is. So could you touch briefly on what you mentioned the word constituent? Um, could you touch briefly on the importance when you talk to somebody uh, in the legislative branch of making sure they understand that you are their constituent? You are, uh, what does that word mean to you? And uh, why can't I just call up the White House? You know, I just, I'm gonna go talk to the chief of staff. Well, you could call the White House if you wanted to, but I'm not sure you'd get through. You know, this is what, I, what I've found in, in, in working with elective representatives. Um, you know, the, the lower level it is, it tends, the, the easier it is to get in touch with them, right? So certainly it's relatively easy, in my experience, to get through to staff for a congressman. It's much more difficult to get through to a senator, which makes sense, right? Because the, the uh, senator covers the entire state and has, you know, lots, tens of thousands or millions and millions of people they have to answer to, much less so with the congressman. If you if you pull it back on a state level, you know your your state uh, representative, you know has a much smaller area compared to a state senator, and and it's similar though you know you know less in magnitude. Um, so I think if you call up your state, if you want a, an easy start, you call up your state representative and say, "Hi, I'm Doctor, you know whoever. I would love to talk to you about issues near and dear to my heart, which you know to us is long term care." Um, and I think it's important to note too that I, I think they do really do have respect for physicians and, and you know uh, healthcare professionals. Uh, and it's not like you're doing what many people do, which is lobbying. You're going to them as a subject matter expert. You're saying, hey, uh, you know, I'm knowledgeable about long-term care. I think there are issues here that I can help you with. And, and I think it's difficult for them to not be at least interested in that. But Dr. Amowitz, it feels intimidating for me to pick up the phone and call my representative. Don't I have to do a lot of prep work, you know, beforehand? I have to understand their position and understand the background. Or can I just pick up the phone and call? What do you think? Well, Dr. Bergman, I think you're by nature a shy person, right? Wouldn't you say? You have to overcome yes. your, you see, you have to overcome. And I think I'm basically shy too, um, which is why I hope this can be an inspiration to people. Um, yeah, you can just call. I, I mean, you have to have some interest and passion um, about it on your end. You do not have to go to a congressman or representative with, you know, the, you don't have to initially, it helps a little bit to say, if you're going to say, well, I'm interested in, in this bill, or this is what I want to do, right? What you want to say is, um, I have an issue I've identified. Um, it's concerning to me. It's concerning to your constituents because that's, you know, the people who you represent. And in in my experience with advocacy, I think what really resonates with elected representatives are the personal stories. So you could say, uh, this is the issue. But I think what, what they listen to more is how this issue has affected your patients, your family, um, somebody close to them. It's just more powerful. So you don't have to be an, uh, an expert on the legislation or necessarily know the, you know, the, the number of the House bill, but say, this is the problem. It is hurting your constituents. This is the story I have. And how can we fix that? Because when, when you go to uh, meet with a representative too. 
your goal is not to complain to them because everybody goes to complain. Better is to have some kind of idea of what you want them to do for you. Because I hear this all the time. They'll say, oh, I'm not the expert in this. You're the expert. Um, how can I help you? Well, that's what you want to think about. You don't really want to say, well, I don't know, because that doesn't help them at all. Um, something else that I, I've encountered is you don't want to say, well, you know, give more money to this person because everybody's asking for money. Uh, ideally, you'll have a problem that has a solution that is relatively easy, relatively not expensive. You'll give a powerful story of a patient that resonates with them. And then you, you have established your connection, your relationship with the representatives. And it's a, it's a good step. It's the foundation of building a beautiful friendship, for lack of a better term. Well, let's, let's pick up on the idea of a friendship. You know, uh, we ask them for certain things. They also sometimes could benefit from our involvement and, and public praise of their efforts when something is done successfully. Um, can you share any recent examples or something where you think where um, either you or your legislative representative benefited from your friendship uh, in a public manner? Well, both personal and uh, public, I think, Dr. Berkman. Um, I have actually been calling my congressman office for the last couple of years since COVID started weekly. Um, now, let me point out here, and I think this is important to say from a, an advocacy point of view, is it's really unlikely that you're going to get to meet with the elected representative regularly. The people that you really want to talk to is their staff, because their staff who are really the people who help the elected representative. So I've been meeting with the staff. And what I always, I mean, there's some general principles, right? Uh, the principles being, you know, you go to them and you say, how can we work together? You know, and not just how can you know, you help me, but I think it's a two-way street. How can I help you? Like, for example, if there is a, a bill or an issue that the representative is, uh, you know, whatever it is, congressman, senator, whatever, if they're interested in, how can I help them? What can I do for them? Um, I know that the staff of my congressman was um, putting some papers. He wanted to write something to the governor. So I'm like, well, let me help you with it. So I actually helped it. I edited his, his article. Something else I did, which is relatively unusual, um, I wrote an editorial in my local paper that um, bipartisanship, because I'm a different political party than my congressman, really helps long-term care. And I think uh, my congressman, well, certainly the staff really appreciated, but so did my congressman. So it's like these little things. I, I think that being nice, trying to have value in meetings, uh, trying to accomplish things that help people and being nice about it is um is the way to go. I mean, that's at least my style. It may not be everybody else's style, but that's what I was talking about before. You know, what what works for you? Yeah, thanks. You know, we've touched a lot about um, you know what's been going on and so forth. But if you back up, you know, a um, bird's eye view and you look down, what would you say fundamentally? You know, why do we advocate? Why do physicians advocate for patients? Um, do you have a thought? Yeah, you know, I, I think that is one of the, the basic barriers of this is physicians for years and years, I don't think really did a lot of advocacy. Um, and I think that was a problem because everybody else seemed to do it and everybody else had lobbyists, but physicians would always say, 
and I would say the same sort of thing, well, we're too busy taking care of patients. Where am I gonna find the time to do this? I don't know why it took COVID to make me realize this, but you know, advocacy and the government, this is how things change. I mean, if you really want to change the system, I think it's really super important to get involved in advocacy. Um, now, those same complaints still still hold uh, weight, right? It's like we're still super busy. You know, we're taking care of patients, um, and who has the time for this? I mean, it can be frustrating too. It, it takes time. It takes effort. It takes money, right? Like I haven't had to do this, but like once you start getting involved, you start going to fundraisers. I mean, I don't go to every fundraiser I'm asked, but I feel like a representative who's been supportive of me, I should be supportive of them. Well, you know, that's money. Uh, something else that happens can be frustrating. The whole political process is frustrating. Um, and, you know, you can be very supportive of a very good candidate, a uh, very good representative. And if they lose the election, well, they're out and you have to start again. But, but I think you have to be used to disappointment when you realize the importance of advocacy and how things change. Now, let me give an example about this. I've always said this about with AMDA through the um, House of Delegates and resolutions to the House of Delegates. I've always been a strong proponent of developing resolutions because to me, you know, you can take an issue that either you think can change or that really bothers you. Um, and one person, one person can make a difference. And I feel to some degree the same way with advocacy. If, if you're really passionate about this, you know, you can go and you can change something. You may not, you gotta be ready for disappointment, but one person can change, you know, you can change the world, I think. Um, and you're not gonna be able to do it by yourself, but you do it through advocacy. And, you know, one person can change it through advocacy if you develop the relationship. That's just how I, I feel about it. I feel strongly about it. And I honestly think more and more physicians and certainly more and more AMDA members are beginning to recognize this, if I answered your question. Yeah, no, that's uh, excellent. You know, if if I was a beginner and I was starting out, you know, and I feel really inspired by this uh, interview and I want to advocate and I have an issue, what would you recommend? If we, are there one or two things that you think I could do right off the bat? Well, well, yeah. Well, first I have to say, you know, there's not just benefit here, Dr. Bergman, in in doing advocacy, but but I have to tell you, in my experience, I've actually um taken care of one of my ex-congressmen's, both his parents, I was involved in their care. So I think as a geriatrician, this is a, a good business opportunity. But does that make, that was a joke. Did you think that was funny? <laughs> yes, sort of, no, <laughs> sort of, yeah. Okay, just saying, you know, because who can't relate to, you know, the treatment of older people, right? I mean, if it's not the, um, and, and actually, if you look at the Senate, right? That's a that the whole Senate is ripe for geriatric opportunities, it seems to me. But everybody has either parents or friends or constituents who are, who are older. So we're, we're coming from a influential position, it seems to me. So um, where do you start? You know, I, I really do hope that this would inspire um, members and particularly younger members uh, to get involved with advocacy. And I don't think you have to say you're going to spend all your time and effort doing this. But I think the, the first thing that I would recommend is just pick up the phone and call your state representative and or your congressperson. That's the first step and just say, hey, you know, could we talk on the phone or could I talk to your staff? 
right? Doesn't have to involve uh, a lot of time and effort. And, you know, these days with the increased use of, um, you know, teleconferences, it's much easier. So that's the first thing I would do. The second thing I would do is hopefully listeners belong to organizations. So go to an organization or two and ask them, hey, you know, I'm interested in advocacy. Is there any opportunity for my involvement? Because, you know, we're talking about AMDA here, um, but certainly um, some of the state affiliates uh, have public policy committees. There's no question that the medical societies, the county and the state medical societies are very involved in advocacies. But a lot of times, um, you know, my hospital, one of the hospitals I work at is part of a national chain. And to my surprise, they have somebody who does advocacy. So I think if you just ask around, um, there, there's people who can help you dip your toe in the pool of advocacy. Um, and the third thing that I mentioned already is uh, consider going to a fundraiser. I mean, I, I think you, you, you don't want to go one that's super expensive, but if you can go to somebody and say, hey, you know, do you have a fundraiser? I know you'll start getting lots of mails and emails. You don't have to respond to them and you can throw them away, but it's just, you can meet like-minded people and it can start you on the path. So those are three recommendations I might suggest. Excellent recommendations. Just to summarize, you know, pick up the phone call. Uh, if you're part of an organized medicine, you know, reach out to the leadership there and uh, consider attending a fundraiser. Uh, what about, you know, if uh, if I was a little bit more experienced and I'm, you know, maybe 10, 15 years into this and I've done some of this and, you know, what other networking opportunities or uh, talking to peers uh, do you think might be out there for me? Well, that's another excellent question, Dr. Bergman. I would say it's like, how do you, you keep going? How do you raise the bar on, on your advocacy efforts? Certainly becoming involved in a uh, AMDA affiliate or with AMDA. I have had such a wonderful experience with the AMDA um, public policy staff, you know, a shout out to Alex and Sue and Gabby, who are just tremendous and, and so helpful. Um, so that's one thing. I, I think, and, and we've talked about this, is getting yourself known a little bit more. Things like writing a um, opinion piece for your local newspaper, or seeing if um, you can get a media appearance. Now, a lot of people are afraid of media. I mean, I, I, I would say, you know, I'm sort of too. I don't know if I, that's what I want to do. But again, if that's in your skill set, start seeing about getting the word out a little more. So that's one thing. Um, the second thing which you could, if you want to try to expand your reach, is once you get to know people, is trying to find a, for lack of a better word, a champion. Somebody who, who um, you know, you develop a really strong relationship with you. Somebody who, if you have ideas, are the people who could start acting on them. Like, like I, as I said, I met with my um, uh, congressman staff weekly. Well, they put me in touch with a state representative who's not, not my state representative. She's in a, a different area entirely, but we just hit it off right away. And, you know, I started talking to her. Now I reached out, we, we talked directly, not through staff. And she's been incredibly helpful to me. You know, she's explained to me how politics really works. Um, she well, developed a, a bill in my state. We were to get, we were able to get a medical director registry bill 
in Pennsylvania, which didn't get it through for various political reasons. But somebody who really helped me understand. So I think if you're trying to raise your bar, find somebody, either you know, representative or somebody in the medical society or somebody who you can start working together to do things. And the final thing I'd recommend is, and you're involved with this, is you know, AMDA is beginning to develop materials about how you can raise the bar, things you could do. Well, again, talk to AMDA and say, you know, or be involved in some of these. Um, there's a lot of webinars. We have, for example, a, a listening post uh, for AMDA on Wednesday calls. You know, you were involved. There was a task force meeting. I think there are ways to get more involved with state and national where you can start getting ideas. And it's very inspirational stuff about what other people in other states are doing. Yeah, really exciting. You know, just to, to, to wrap things up here, you know, if um, if you could give people some advice, you know, as a busy clinician, you know, out there in the world, uh, trying to take care of patients, uh, you know, what uh, could you give people some guides in terms of what to expect? You know, if I pick up the phone and call tomorrow, you know, am I going to change the world, you know, next next week on Monday? Or is this more of a long game, uh, personal satisfaction? Any guidance tips on what to expect? Well, um, I'm trying to think what platitude to use, Dr. Bergman. You know, every journey starts with this, with the first step, right? Um, that's good. That's as good as any. Um, and I said before, you know, you have to be, you can't go into the meeting saying, hey, listen to me, do exactly what I say. Um, that's just not how this works. It's small incremental steps. You know, my, my advice to people really is, is you won't get anywhere unless you start. So you have to start, you have to start somewhere, okay? And, and AMDA is developing materials, even outside of AMDA, there's lots of education um, articles and, you know, things on the web about how to do, you know, effective meeting with elected representatives. But I think just by starting, the recognition that this is important and you really can change things is the very first step. You're almost certainly not going to change things overnight. That's just not how it works. It's slow. It's gradual. Um, you know, you have to be prepared for things that, you know, you hope would happen that don't. That's just the nature of the beast with advocacy. But it's, it's absolutely, in my opinion, the long game. Um, you develop relationships um, and you really never know what's going to bear fruit. I mean, I've been very surprised where, you know, one thing happened, I made a cold call, uh, you know, somebody reached out to me and really good things have happened from it. But I, I think you have to put yourself out there a little bit. Thank you so much. Do you have any final words for our audience and folks listening to this podcast who are interested in advocacy? Well, firstly, it's been a, a, a pleasure being on this. I really appreciate the invitation. Um, you know, I, I think I feel the same way about it that a lot of AMDA members do. Um, you know, if anybody wants to reach out to me, um, I'm, I'm happy to do so. What I tend to do is if they reach out to me, I'll just uh, forward it to you, Dr. Berkman, and let you take care of it. That's my leadership style. That's fine. We're working <laughs> together. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's like, it's, it's our AMDA community. And I think we're developing a, a advocacy community of, of people in many states who are, you know, eager and happy to help anybody who's more interested in that. So I think that if somebody is interested, 
you know, feel free to reach out. You know, it doesn't matter if they don't remember my name. Uh, all they have to do is talk to AMDA. And I think um, the organization can, can put somebody's interest in touch with people both in their states a lot of times or nationally. I mean, wouldn't you agree with that? Yes, totally. I, I think there, we have a tremendous opportunity in a community now uh, of engaged folks, you know, upwards of 60, 70 members across uh, almost 30, 32 states that uh, are doing lots of exciting things. And so getting connected uh, is, is definitely part. It's personally gratifying and it's, uh, it's a fun network to be part of and you'll, you'll learn a lot. So uh, get involved. Yeah, I agree. It's a very exciting time. Dr. Berkman. Well, we want to um, we want to thank Dr. Hamowitz for joining us today in our podcast, and uh, we'll just want to thank our listeners to uh, listening on another series of the AMDA in the States podcast. I will just share that I think uh, on the website you'll be able to join and uh, take a look at some additional resources, and we'll try to make this podcast uh, available as well. So. Uh, in that sense, we want to say thank you from AMDA On The Go and AMDA In The States podcast. And for my own uh, wisdom, I just want to say uh, advocacy is important. And I think uh, everybody needs to be kind. You need to be passionate about a subject. Um, and uh, you should get involved. Don't let there be any barriers. Get involved. So uh, on behalf of all of AMDA and all of ELTC staff and residents, thank you for listening and uh, get involved. If you are a physician interested in obtaining ABPLM pre-approved certified medical director credits for certification or recertification, Go to our learning management system at apex.paltc.org. That's apex.paltc.org. Click on the podcast and follow the link to this episode. This podcast episode is sponsored by Avenir Pharmaceuticals. The content in this episode was not developed or endorsed by Avenir Pharmaceuticals.